I hesitate to say this. They looked a little Alabama-esque at times, to be entirely honest. Like, they didn't really need to do anything spectacular. They were just smart, and they took care of the ball, and they realized that our guys are better than your guys, and we're going to beat you. And they, they did, I think, with, uh, with, with plenty of room to spare. The Dogs opened their 2017 season with a dominant 31-10 victory over the Appalachian State Mountaineers. Now, many pundits had this game circled as a potential upset alert, but even after Jacob Eason went down with an apparent knee sprain in the third series of the game, Georgia and freshman Jake Fromm engineered a well-executed game plan in all three phases of the game to help seal the victory for the Dogs. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 95 of the Wait and Since Last Saturday podcast. This is our first post-game show of the 2017 season. And just so you know what to expect throughout this year, Will, Tony, and I record the preview shows in person. As for these post-game shows, we record them via Skype, so you might hear some buffering sounds at time, which might be a little bit distracting, or maybe not. Maybe my lead-in is a little distracting. But the great news is UGA is 1-0 going into their epic matchup with Notre Dame this weekend. So let's find out what went right and what went wrong for the dogs this past Saturday in this relatively short episode. So here's Will to kick us off. All right, guys, 31 to 10, lots to take in, lots of discussion, particularly the quarterback position. But to me, that we can get to that in a second. Remember, this was a game heading in where we were concerned like this is a, uh, Appalachian State's better than people think. They're a team that's got that's veteran that's got veterans on it. They're a team that's kind of built us up. They're kind of a dangerous offense. They've got an experienced quarterback. And for me, regardless of whatever the quarterback situation is, the story of this game is the defense kicked arse. Yeah, it's funny. I did some math this morning. Our um, I hate to say first string because it really is mostly a first and second string. We rotated so many guys in and out until we got there in the fourth quarter. Held App State, an App State team I think that's going to be on the whole in the season very good to a shade under 200 yards total offense in the first three quarters. And uh, even though you know we gave up 10 points in the game, the, the, those last two drives, those two scoring drives, we had no fewer than seven and a couple of times nine true freshmen out there playing defense. And that's it's important to keep that in mind. I, I, there's nothing to be disappointed in this game other than Jacob Eason getting hurt. That could be a huge disappointment because uh, we'll, we'll talk about from in a second. But uh, uh, Scott, definitely for me, you know, we think about again. We were all worried about this game, and you were the one that was most confident about it, just because it's App State. We should trounce App State. To me, they went and they trounced App State in a way that you would think that App State was not actually very good. Like this is still a team. Phil Steele's thought of this as we talked about as a sleeper potential group of five uh, or group of six uh, representative in the playoffs. And I have to say, there was never a moment where I was even slightly concerned in this game. I was not going to nitpick anything about this game because I did feel confident about it. And, you know, the, the things that I think I'm, I'm most uh, excited about was definitely the defense and how they kind of held them in check. Lamb is a good quarterback. You saw him get loose a couple times. But, you know, we're going to talk about the defense. Everybody's going to write about the defense, that first-team defense with Roquan Smith really kind of leading the charge. But I guess excitement in the kicking game, that's what got me excited because that first punt that I guess Nizalak is the way you pronounce his name, he really flipped in the field. I think he averaged 43 yards a punt. It was so good to see that compared to last year because I think the punting 
the ineffective punting in that uh, UNC game and Nichols, and you just kind of name a team we played last year, we were averaging sometimes 30, 37 yards of punt. We never could flip that field. And th- that way the defense gets to start off, um, you know, with a long field to defend. And you can add into that Rodrigo's uh, five out of six uh, boots through the end zone too. So I'm just going to parlay that defense and add in the special teams and kicking game and give them a big thumbs up. Scott, all six of his kickoffs win the end zone. Yeah. It's my favorite. Oh, they play. did. Yes. <laughs> he returns. That. It was my favorite play. I mean, I, I said it last week. If you, if you give me 70 something touchbacks on the season and people will return, uh, you know, quickly, what's the math on that? Uh, five of six, 83%. Oh, that's going to lead the nation in touchbacks. That's spectacular. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And you know, the one thing I thought about that first punt from Nizalak was down on our end, the ball yep. sounds different coming off his foot that does martial laws. I mean, and there was an audible, I don't know if it was over where y'all were, but there was an audible like, Oh, and then people started cheering like, well, the ball was still in the air. It was crazy. <laughs> it was, it was really cool. I mean, he, he punted the ball really well. Uh, yeah, 43 yards average with two punts inside the what 12 yard line. The, the only real bad punt he had was a 38 yarder where the, like the ball kind of slid off the side of his foot, but still got a lot of hang time. I'm with you, Scott, this game, particularly with the kicking, was a it is a that is the one thing that is demonstrably no doubt a hundred percent better than last season already. Yeah, you know, one of the things we talked about in a lot of the preview podcasts has been the concern of obviously the team being younger last year and everyone coming back this year. There's excitement there, but the one thing that really had not been proven yet was this coaching staff's ability to be able to run a game plan, to be able to have these guys ready, the special teams miscues, uh, some of the defensive missteps. Uh, and we'll, again, we'll get into the office in a moment. But for me, the signature question that I was most worried about, and I think nationally, was probably the biggest concern about George. Everybody knows they've got talent. The coaching staff looked ready for this game, and all you want from your coaching staff is to put your team in the best position to win, and they absolutely did that. Like For all the concerns about last year, this was a well-coached team and a team that was prepared and ready to play. Well, you especially look at what happened when Eason went down, because Eason went on the sideline. He came out back to the midfield. He was limping a little bit, but then he went down, and Mm -hmm. there was never a second on the sideline. There was not there wasn't frenetic motion. There wasn't anything. I mean, you just saw Fromm basically hand his clipboard over, put his helmet on, and start throwing. <laughs> it was, it was. I mean, it was extraordinarily workmanlike. And the thing that is most interesting to me is that people, and probably right, rightfully so, they mock the whole. You know, there was an article this week that uh, Holly Anderson wrote about Lane Kiffin chafing at fifteen minute meetings on, meetings on the coin toss. Well, there's a reason why Florida, uh, Alabama, so rarely gets surprised. Is that they literally process every single possible outcome. And frankly, Will, I agree with your point. They were ready. They had a game plan. They had planned for – they had actually planned for having their starting quarterback getting hurt. It looked like there had already been a plan in place for that. And that's, that's really the level of detail that you want to see out of the modern starting coach, uh, head coach. It's one thing. I mean, there's a lot of true freshmen playing out there in college football, but he was not expecting to play the majority of the snaps in the first game. He was not sacked and he didn't throw an interception, which to me, I mean, that might be one of those little details that you kind of gloss over because Georgia had a big win. But I mean, that, that's a huge thing because all it, all it would have taken is that first series or, or, or second series to throw a pick on your own side of the field. And then you're like, oh, no, here we go again. But I mean, that, that's something to be, to be a testament to him and just kind of his moxie. To me, he looked like uh, Aaron Murray uh, freshman freshman sophomore season. 
Yeah, to kind of build on Tony's point, well, it's not that it's not that Eason just got, as the phrase goes, we we always use the phrase "got his bell rung." Now it's like caused brain trauma, but it's not like he just got like knocked out for a play. It was a shocking injury. Like it felt like like it felt like oh my gosh, is he not going to be back this year? And again, we'll get to that in a second too. Uh, uh, moving forward, but this is the type of thing that freaks team out teams out. Not just having their quarterback hurt on like a regular play, but have a quarterback like oh my. Gosh, it's his knee. Everything we put together has fallen apart, and 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 now what do we do? And you're right, Tony, and I think you're right as well, Scott. That is was an uh, it was immediate. Yep, let's go moving forward. And I think that says obviously a little bit of the coaching staff, but it obviously says a little bit about Fromm. And you know, we've we already kind of discussed. I've kind of mocked the idea of people getting so excited about Fromm uh, when Eason is right there, and it's hard to argue. I find it difficult to argue. We'll talk about this in the preview podcast that Georgia is not a better team going into a game at Notre Dame with Eason at the quarterback rather than Fromm. But that said, the drop off. Regardless, from from Eason to say Lambert <laughs> is a lot steeper than Eason to Fromm, and Fromm, you know, again, th- there's a lot of that. Uh, lot, it's funny we joked about how Fran Tarkenton. I was kind of making fun of Fran Tarkenton a little bit about he was just so excited about this Fromm kid. He he scouted him so much that he didn't quite remember his name. He just knew he was the backup would be able to come in and take off. But the thing that he said was the most was he has presence, he has calm, and he's able to do a lot of things. And I thought that was really clear. He still made a couple throws that, even the touchdown throw, frankly, was kind of, just kind of tossed it up there. But I do, because I've had this discussion with a couple of people here at my parents' place at the lake. I haven't rewatched the touchdown throw, but from where I sat, that was a spectacular play. No, it's a good play on Wims to go out to get the ball, yeah. but that was a spectacular play. He threw the ball with the, exactly the right touch so that his guy in, in double cover could go up and get the ball, and only his guy could get it. It was a space throw. He had two guys in front of him about three yards. He had two guys behind him about two yards. Now, I could go back and watch the replay and feel totally different about that, but when I saw that play, I was like, holy cow. This is That is a big-time throw from a guy that literally – you know, we had been standing on the sideline two hours earlier thinking like, man, I hope I get to play against Sanford. Yeah. Or am I going to red shirt or <laughs> yeah, you're right. And listen, I, I'm not, I, I can have concerns about uh, that throw or, or maybe a couple other throws, but without question, I mean, I, I think some people made a bigger deal out of the fact that they weren't moving the ball with Eason. Like that was too serious. That was like, like the, the idea that Eason somehow was struggling uh, at that point. I think uh, clearly the, the coaching staff thinks Eason is the, is the better call. And it doesn't look like he's going to be out the entire season. We'll see. I think we're going to find out more on Monday, but the, we didn't see this at halftime because we had the game, but apparently uh, Coach Smart did say he's like it's not that serious, it's not a knockout for the year, but certainly it's gonna it's gonna be a, a thing that we're gonna have to deal with. And I think it certainly looks like Fromm's gonna be the quarterback heading into Notre Dame. That would have terrified me a lot more 48 hours ago to hear that than it terrifies me right now. I'll certainly say that. Yeah, I also think it's pretty easy to see why Fromm was the number two person over Ramsey, and yeah. you know, like like. I, I love I love love Bryce Ramsey. I'm glad he stayed. He is he's a damn good dog. But those were brutal throws. That's the reason this wasn't a <laughs> shutout. Like, like those were absolutely terrible. Oh yeah, throws. yeah. And, and frankly, it'll be interesting to see if Ramsey is the answer off the bench. If if it comes to that again, um, I don't know. It's it's just hard to say. Those were the the first one was a the first interception was a it was a it was a poor throw that the actually defender made a good play on the second one was just a bad throw. I mean, just, he was two feet behind the receiver. I mean, it, it so hit the defender in the hands. He was almost surprised that the ball was his. 
But you know, one thing I want to touch on Fromm, when Fromm came in, we picked up the pace. We ran a little hurry up, which I liked seeing. I think it helped from – I think it's interesting you're talking about coaching. I think it was an interesting decision to do that because basically what you do is you take from out of his head, right? You, you, you have him lean on rote memory of things they've done in practice. And I thought that was a really savvy coaching move because it allowed him to come in and settle down. It also allowed him to throw a couple of quick passes that, frankly, we needed to do because – App State was was stacking the box. I mean, they were putting seven and eight people in the box and basically daring um, Eason to to beat us and then Fromm to beat us. And frankly, that's the one thing that everybody was most concerned about is at least one of Eason's two throws were were poorly overthrown. The one to uh, I believe Blazevich on a on a tight end out. It was just he overthrew him by four feet. Um, but you know that that did take a lot of the pressure off. They they had to back the line uh, the linebackers off the line of scrimmage. And once they did that, our offensive line had. You know, relatively uh, easy time moving a, a a smaller defensive line, but also a defensive line. I think it's going to end, end up grading up pretty good by the end of the season. This is also a veteran team. Like you know, to me, this one maybe is what's most impressive of this performance by Georgia is App State is not. You know, they're not Charleston Southern. Like, I know we've kind of talked about that, but I mean, this is a not, and not just do they have talent. They are well coached. They are well organized. They are exactly the type of team that made you nervous to come in after some of the questions you had with the coaching staff last year. And again, it's not like the offense entirely ran over absolutely. Like, I think they did very well. I like the idea that Chubb and Michelle basically had all, they, neither one of them hit a hundred yards, but both of them, both of them were just quietly awesome. <laughs> like, like, I think they both averaged about five or, uh, a little over, uh, over five yards uh, per carry, and you know that's great. But like for me, you know, this still wasn't a completely blow them off type of performance. But you didn't have to like that. that this was a, the calm of a team. I hesitate to say this. They looked a little Alabama esque at times. To be entirely honest, like they didn't really need to do anything spectacular. They just took they they were just smart and they took care of the ball and they realized that our guys are better than your guys and we're going to beat you. And they they did I think with uh, with, with plenty of room to spare. Hey, so one of the things I was thinking about the last time – I'm sorry. Well, the, the last time – I was actually – I had Chad looking up something. Um, so the last time we won a game in a blowout fashion where there was like – it wasn't a comeback. It wasn't like, okay, guys, let's let's not lose our minds here. It was against Kentucky uh, November 7th and 15th. We won 27-3. to And that was um, – I was sitting here trying to think. I was like, I remember the early in the season we blew some people out, including Fanny in South Carolina. But this game – you're right. You let off with saying it never felt like it was in doubt. And I never felt like there was a point where it really felt like things were out of hand. And, and other than Easton getting hurt, this was a best case scenario in my mind. If I, if you had said, what's the very best thing that happens? I was like, well, you know, we have enough mistakes that Kirby gets to yell at some people about. We are special teams look so much better. And offensively, we move the ball defensively. We stymie them. And that's exactly what happened. It feels weird on a Sunday morning not to be obsessing over the fact that we had to you know, have a seven-minute drive at the end of the game to hold on to an eight-point lead. <laughs> Scott, this was the first uh, first time we've all been to Sanford Stadium since that Georgia Tech debacle uh, right. last year. Did you? Uh, but just like so, game day wise, I like the six fifteen start. I actually feel like I've always talked about like three thirty seems like the perfect start. But six fifteen is a pretty like it was a beautiful night. Uh, it was a good vibe. Did you sit? No, anything like you, you've been a ticket scene ticket for years and years and years. What, what did you think of the game day vibe? Did you see anything different from from last year? Uh, what was your takeaway? Just like just being back at Sanford. 
I think the video intro was slightly different, which I like that. You know, they didn't make wholesale changes, but they kind of tweaked it and made it better because as I was kind of starting, I was wondering, oh, did they completely leave off the Saturday in Athens thing? But no, they didn't. Um, I think I saw a little, uh, like a tweet from Chris Conley uh, asking anybody if they noticed the difference because he might have had something to do with it, which makes sense because he's kind of a uh, filmmaker on the side next to playing receiver in the NFL. So I thought that was kind of neat. Um, I really like the 615 kickoff as well. I wish I would have brought sunglasses for my two boys because they took mine. They were rotating and I didn't have a hat either. So if they kick off at 615 or 7 o'clock again uh, until the time change happens, I'd say, or even those 330 games later in the year, I would say definitely if you're in the end zone like us, you got to bring some eye protection because it was fierce. However, having said that, I got one of the uh, prettiest pictures. It got retweeted about, I don't know, four or five times and on our Twitter account at WSLS podcast of, of the sunset, real beautiful sunset. Some of the other amenities they were touting. Uh, I noticed the floors in the bathroom. It looked like, uh, the floors in like one of somebody's like a garage and they put all that diamond stuff down. I don't know. That was kind of cool. The, the bathroom sinks were nicer. They had some gourmet popcorn. They had much more availability of Chick-fil-A's. Uh, they had Kona ice, you know, I mean, I could see that they tried to step it up. However, we came in that north side of the stadium right when the students were coming and i mean it felt like the running of the bulls in there so those concourses still aren't great but you know what that stadium's however many years old they ain't going to change that it's not going to be like SunTrust or uh mercedes-benz but all in all i say bravo to whatever changes they made i love the kickoff time and uh really just had a great day beautiful weather to chamber of commerce day one thing i want to talk about was dj was the dj did y'all notice that (laughs) DJ Shockley was the DJ instead of uh, in the in the um, student section. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it was a it was just a good time, man. Like it, it is funny to think about how where your mind went when it was zero zero and Eason went down, and just how just truly pleasant the rest of the day was across the board and you know we'll we'll do our notre dame preview and we'll certainly have a lot to talk about with the quarterback situation but man for game one i'll put it this way was there a game last year at all even some of the best games no. that where you felt <laughs> this good like honestly was there one no North Carolina? Yeah, maybe. And that really was just like the celebra- celebration. That was like, game was also kind of in doubt at times. And yeah. that's also, that felt like a, it's Kirby Smart's first game, new era, Chubb's awesome, so awesome. Like, that felt, that, and even that game had like a lot of problems. Like they made, they had some, some real issues in this game. This, it's, I'll put it this way. I can't think of a game, certainly in the Smart era, where across the board, the thing that we wanted from the Kirby Smart era, like to bring in the, the Alabama guy and everybody feel like, like this, what's he's trying to implement? This was the first time where I thought, all right, you're starting to see not just results, because I think there were some good wins last year, but you're seeing like this is the plan. Like this is what's supposed to look like. And to see that executed, particularly when your starting quarterback goes down in the second possession, that, that's got to make you feel pretty good. Well, it is a, a small sample size, and I want to make sure that people don't accuse us of not pumping the brakes. And you know, we felt, like I said, I brought up North Carolina, and we talked about this several times over the past couple of weeks. But yesterday felt substantively different, in particular as the way the team looked, the confidence, the way they carried themselves. And frankly, 
what I was really surprised about was that it felt like that they they had planned for a lot of the things that happened in the game. Like, it, you know, we we had a couple offsides penalties, but we didn't have anything really wacky happen. You know, where a guy was completely uncovered, or you know, heaven forbid, a linebacker's looking over at Mel Tucker, waving his hands like like I don't know what, what plays to be called. Um, and I I don't think I can overstate this. And we maybe look back at the end of an eight and four season, like wow, we were sunshine pumping. And, all on that but you know i think we have um there's some stuff to build on out of this game yesterday to, to be really excited about now we face a really tough team next week and it'll we could feel completely different next sunday but it was still it was fun for a day to go to a football game in athens where the weather was beautiful hang out with friends and then also to enjoy the football game without walking out thinking like i'm gonna lose what little hair i have left before the season's over all right. Well, we'll be back. Uh, this is our this is our uh, first post game. We'll be back. We're gonna do a big preview while watching the Tennessee Georgia Tech game. By the way, which will be a fun little subplot because, of course, that well, I always like podcasts that do that. That like we'll have a discussion uh, about something that's currently happening, though everyone that's listening to the podcast will already know what happens. So, uh, so when we're getting excited in the third quarter of that game, and the listeners are are all all go, wow, that the atomic bomb exploded in the fourth quarter. They don't even know that's coming yet. That'll be a fun little subplot. Uh, but Notre Dame's coming up. It's obviously going to be pretty exciting. Uh, but mostly, other than Eason, it's hard to be happy, hard to think of anything that could have gone better in that game. So I had a blast. Season's going, guys. And like the Illinois Fighting Illini, the Georgia Bulldogs are one to know. The drive to six, baby. The drive to six. Drive to four. Hey, Tony. Drive to four. <laughs> Tony, since you haven't seen that Javon Wims catch, I would recommend you go over to uh, the WSLS podcast Twitter account. Because I uh, retweeted a little video I did, and I got a great shot of Wims's catch, and I put it in some uh, some uh, hip hop music, and um, you know I think it's a good little one a minute edit. I think you'll enjoy it, and hopefully the listeners will as well. Uh, so just head over there and you'll see it. Well, as I walk up to the smoker to finish cooking another ten pounds of chicken, I'll do that. <laughs> no, but don't, don't don't hold the phone to cooking the chicken. It's separate. I don't want an accident. We need you here. On oh, I'm night. I'm not an amateur. <laughs> yes, this is not your first chicken uh, rodeo. Not um, my first chicken smoking. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, let's do the preview show next week. But one and zero, oh, go dogs, go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. For those of you wondering about our Pick'em Contest, FunOfficePools.com, we will touch on the leaders next week during our post-game show for Notre Dame. Now, since the App State game is behind us, we will be dedicating a significant amount of time in our next episode to break down and preview the very first visit for the dogs up at Notre Dame, which you will be able to hear later this week. You'll be able to hear the game and our preview show. Preview show first, then the game. If you want to get in touch with us, hit us up on Twitter at WSLS Podcast. If you listen via iTunes... The three of us would appreciate it if you could leave us a rating and review. We had two reviews come in recently, and I'd like to share them both with you. The first comes from BP2083. He or she said, these guys are a fun listen each week. They mix the right amount of homerism and the realism and despair. Looking forward to spending another season with them. Thanks so much, BP2083. I think you nailed it right on the head about the amount of realism and despair, especially after this past Saturday at first quarter, I think had all of the realism and despair wrapped up in one. Nevertheless, our other review comes from, and I love this name, 
I just want to review. <laughs> nice handle. He or she says, all three of these guys are very informative, entertaining, and honest, even though sometimes it hurts to hear in terms of their knowledge and expectations for the UGA football program. I think I kind of read that with the wrong pacing, but you get the right idea. Two very similar and very appreciated iTunes reviews. Thank you so much. And like I mentioned, we'll be back later this week with our preview show for Notre Dame. Until then, happy Labor Day and go dogs.